This is Bigger Pockets Daily, where I read evergreen articles on real estate investing so you can still learn while you're on the go. If you just found the show on this Wednesday, welcome. And please tap the subscribe button so you'll get these automatically delivered to you every day, including weekends. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. Meet Rent App, the seamless, secure, free way to collect rent. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, Rent App uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. You don't even need to download anything. Rent App setup is straightforward for renters, and there are no apps for landlords to download. Both get peace of mind with a digital transaction history. That means no more lost checks, managing a dozen different payment apps, or even wondering whether payment was sent. Landlords say Rent App is the most convenient way to collect rent, and we think you'll agree. Rent App, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app/landlord. That's rent.app/landlord. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 12 Frequently Asked Questions and Answers About DSCR Loans by Robin Simon So far, throughout 2023, we have published several articles on DSCR loans, a loan product that continues to grow in popularity among real estate investors. This, these included an overview of how to get the best rate and terms, how to use advanced strategies to maximize those returns, and an overview of the new small multifamily DSCR loan niche, which expands the loan product to properties with up to 10 units. Amazing! You can find all those articles at biggerpockets.com, plus we have podcasts for some of them as well in our archives. As many seasoned real estate investors know, while investing in real estate and obtaining loans is a generally straightforward process, there's always seems to be unique situations and wrinkles to every deal. 
The BiggerPockets forums routinely include questions related to DSCR loan qualifications. This overview will help consolidate helpful information for investors curious about this loan option. So today's podcast is going to walk you through many examples of frequently asked questions on all things DSCR loans and provide all the answers you will need to navigate the lending process and scale your portfolio on the road to financial freedom. Let's do this. First up, let's take a look at what are DSCR loans anyway? Okay, so DSCR loans are loans secured by residential investment properties, typically from one single family rental to four units, but sometimes on properties up to 10 units. The loans are typically originated to be included in securitizations, either in securitizations of all DSCR loans or along with other non-qualified mortgages. Non-QM, meaning not qualified under conventional guidelines, required by quasi-government agencies like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. These loans are full recourse to the borrower or guarantor if the borrower is an entity like an LLC and qualify primarily based on the property's cash flow potential rather than the income or financial situation of the investor. Note that DSCR loans should not be confused with commercial real estate loans that utilize the debt service coverage ratio in their underwriting or similar products offered by banks and credit unions that may have similar products. Those loans are better classified as commercial real estate loans or portfolio lender loans, whereas the moniker of DSCR loan should be reserved for this specific non-QM securitizable loan product. Number two on our questions we're answering today, how is DSCR calculated for these loans? So the DSCR calculation, while pretty basic, can also confuse people, especially for investors with backgrounds in commercial real estate. Why is this? The DSCR calculation for DSCR loans on residential investment properties is computed by taking the rental income of a property divided by the PITIA, Principal Interest Taxes Insurance Association dues. In contrast, the DSCR metric for commercial real estate loans is calculated by taking the net operating income, rent minus all operating expenses on the property, divided by debt service, any principal plus interest payments. The operating expenses for commercial and real estate loans typically include many additional expenses on top of taxes and insurance, such as repairs and maintenance, utilities, landscaping, management fees, and estimates for vacancy and credit loss. Thus, for DSCR loans, the DSCR that is calculated is often friendlier, or higher, than sometimes expected. While it's generally smart to underwrite your rental properties as an investor by erring on the conservative side, baking in expected additional costs and reserves, it can be a smart move to use the easier qualification on DSCR loans just based on this underwriting methodology. Number three, do all DSCR lenders have the same qualification rules and underwriting guidelines? Nope. You know, a great thing about DSCR loans is that there are different lenders to choose from, and many have slightly different guidelines and qualification rules. Unlike conventional lenders, if you will, who have to, you know, 100% strictly follow the guidelines from Fannie and Freddie and other agencies, DSCR lenders have customized guidelines and allow for exceptions. On top of that, typically, 
DSCR loans will have interest rates and loan terms that are very similar and guidelines that are more or less right around 90% equivalent. But those differences, those subtle differences, can be meaningful, especially when DSCR lenders commit to specializing in serving specific investor niches, such as those that specialize in short-term rentals or the Burr method. DSCR lenders also generally have the flexibility to make exceptions and not have to stick to the guidelines 100%, like conventional lenders do. This tends to be incredibly helpful for savvy real estate investors that make their money finding ways to make deals work, even if they have a little hair on them. <laughs> All right, so number four, what is the minimum loan amount for a DSCR loan? We get this question a lot. So the minimum loan amount for DSCR loans is going to vary, of course, by lender. Generally, you'll likely see minimum loan amounts in the range of 75 to 150K, although some lenders have been known to go down to a loan amount of $55,000. Number five, what's the minimum credit score for a DSCR loan? Like the minimum loan amount, the minimum credit score for these loans is going to vary, sometimes pretty widely, by the lender. Generally, the strictest lender will have a minimum as high as, you know, 680 while the more aggressive lenders will have minimums as low as 620. Number six, can I live in a property bought with a DSCR loan? No. So DSCR loans have very strict loans that do not allow the borrower to occupy the properties. In fact, as part of the DSCR loan documents, borrowers are required to sign a legal affidavit attesting that they don't live in the property or intend to live in the property in the future. This even includes specific units in multi-unit properties. So even if the property has four units or a quadruplex and three of the units are occupied by third-party tenants, the fourth still cannot be occupied by the owner of the property. Our seventh most frequently asked question, what if it's a short-term rental? Yes. For investment properties secured by DSCR loans that are used as short-term or vacation rentals, the borrower must sign the same legal documents stating they won't occupy the property. This includes staying at the property some of the time while renting it at other times. However, there is a little bit of leniency on these, so investors of short-term rentals with DSCR loans are allowed to stay up to two weeks annually while staying in compliance with the loan documents. For vacation properties in which the investor wants to spend more than two weeks a year occupying, DSCR loans are not going to be an option for you. The good news is that second home loans is a widely available loan product many lenders offer for these exact situations. Number eight, can a first-time investor get a DSCR loan? Yeah, DSCR loans are generally available to first-time investors, but rules are gonna vary by lender. While a few DSCR lenders will not lend to first-timers, most will, commonly with minor restrictions such as a maximum LTV lowered by 5% or requiring a higher minimum credit score. However, some DSCR lenders have no restrictions for beginner investors, especially if the rest of the borrower's financial profile is strong. Number nine, what is the lowest DSCR loan down payment? Great question we get a lot. 
So the vast majority of DSCR lenders will have minimum down payments of 20%. However, there are a few that will go as little as 15%. Number 10, is there a maximum amount of DSCR loans that you can have? <laughs> no, this is really cool. Unlike conventional loans, which limit to no more than 10 properties at once and typically fewer in practice as it becomes harder and harder to qualify conventionally once you build your portfolio, DSCR loans have no maximum because each loan will be qualified based on the property and credit score, not all the total income and expenses across a borrower's personal income, expenses, and portfolio. Number 11. Do properties need to be leased to qualify for a DSCR loan? All right, so generally, for DSCR loans that are part of refinance transactions, the property must be fully leased to a tenant or at least have an operating history of earning rental income as a short-term or medium-term rental. For multifamily properties, some lenders will allow one or two units to be vacant for a refinance. However, these units must be rent-ready. For acquisition transactions, such as using a DSCR loan to finance the purchase of a property, DSCR lenders will universally allow the property to be vacant, but in turnkey condition. Number 12, what are some of the common reasons a rental property would be ineligible to be financed with a DSCR loan? This is our last question for the day, and we'll wrap things up. While every DSCR lender, and some may allow or potentially allow exceptions on any of the following, these types of properties are generally ineligible for financing through a DSCR loan. These are generally ineligible because the lender is needing to foreclose, if needing to foreclose rather, and take over the property, doesn't have the needed niche expertise to successfully operate the property. Additionally, the pool of buyers that have the expertise needed to potentially purchase the property is much lower than the potential buyer pool for more standard residential properties. So here are the ones that could be ineligible. Agricultural properties. So properties with agricultural income producing activities like ranches, farms, orchards, they're generally going to be ineligible. If you're looking at an investment property that has a main house but also includes stables or barns, it's most likely ineligible for DSCR financing, even if the income and value solely from the home is enough to qualify. Assisted living facilities. Properties that are set up for elder care and the accompanying high and sometimes unpredictable turnover are also generally prohibited by DSCR lenders. Single room occupancy properties. While increasing in popularity, because maximizing tenants can increase cash flow. Mm -hmm. Properties that are rented by the room to tenants like university students, these are generally prohibited. Part of the reasoning here is that tenants under these arrangements can be riskier and less reliable than tenants renting an entire house. However, DSCR loans for these properties can usually be made on an exception basis, but usually require the property to be both easily converted to use by a single tenant and be able to provide enough rental income to cash flow if leased to a single tenant. Log homes. True vacation cabins, like in the Smoky Mountains or other rural areas, are generally prohibited by DSCR lenders. However, 
It is also sometimes a gray area in what qualifies as a log cabin versus a single-family home designed in log style. Typically, properties with log cabin styling, but also features standard infrastructure hooked up to utilities like HVAC, running water, a septic system, with similar comparable properties in the area, are eligible for DSCR loan financing. Large acreage. There are acreage limits, but they do vary by DSCR lenders. But DSCR loans are typically limited to properties that sit on five acres or fewer. So in conclusion, hopefully this podcast helps you kind of understand DSCR loans a little bit better and how to evaluate investment property opportunities for which they can be best utilized. You made it through another episode of Bigger Pockets Daily. Did you learn something new? If you still have questions about this subject, jump onto the forums at biggerpockets.com forum. It's like being at a 24-7 networking event without the business cards and awkward small talk. Otherwise, you know the drill. We'll have another episode waiting for you in the morning.